I'm Emily. And I'm Hannah. We are best friends and dietitians. We have a goal of challenging nutrition misinformation and fitness trends with an evidence-based approach. Each episode, we will dish up our thoughts about the latest facts on a popular health-related topic. We're the Upbeat Dietitians. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Upbeat Dietitians podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the pod. Today, we are answering a question that at least I get all the time. I'm sure you do too, Emily. Basically asking if I do this intuitive eating thing, can I expect to lose weight or like what's going to happen to my weight if I do intuitive eating? So we're going to answer that question today. We're going to go through a few different things We're going to do a quick recap on what intuitive eating is. If you are just jumping into this episode for the first time, we haven't really defined it in a while. So we'll kind of give a quick Mm -hmm. recap on what even is intuitive eating to kind of help explain the process or the the reason behind our answer today. Um, And we'll, of course, answer the question of can intuitive eating be used for weight loss and kind of talk about maybe what happens if we do have the intentions of weight loss while doing intuitive eating and then kind of end with all the different things that maybe will happen to your weight with intuitive eating besides just weight loss to kind of give a little bit of a spoiler because it could be one of three things basically. Yeah. So right off the bat, we are going to talk about kind of what intuitive eating is. We reference this all the time and our intuitive eating episode was like years ago. If Honestly, like, I recommend that you don't listen to it because I'm sure it's we'll our have old to do a podcast like, personnel. We'll <laughs> we're a little bit different now. Yeah. Um, we'll have to like do like a recap or some type of. Yeah, we can like call it like revisited. It. I feel like we should do a bunch of those like revisiting yeah. the keto diet, revisiting haze. Gotta revisit haze for sure. Yeah, that haze episode's. Not Whatever you do, don't go listen to the Hayes episode way back when. <laughs> no, we're much more educated now yeah. <laughs> and have a better idea of what's going on. So intuitive eating is, and there isn't like a strict definition, but it's this non-diet approach to health that outlines like 10 different principles and all these different principles were developed by two registered dietitians, Evelyn Tri- Tribal. I think it's Triboli. I don't know. Triboli. That's definitely right. <laughs> Once again, I don't say things out loud. So Just read them. <laughs> yes. And Elise Resch. Yeah. That works. I'm sorry, Evelyn or Elise, if you're listening to this. And I, I know. Just, I want to like have them on the podcast. But so hopefully they don't listen to this. Yeah. We love you. Okay. Thank you for all that you do. <laughs> yes. And essentially the main premise of this intuitive eating movement and framework is to help people get back in tune with their body's cues to guide their eating rather than relying on like external rules, like calorie counting or measuring portion sizes to kind of define how they need to eat and basically drive what they're going to eat every day. And intuitive eating has nothing to do with dieting. Yeah. It's a non-diet approach, anti-diet approach. It's going away kind of from that diet culture world. Which that said, before we even get into answering the question of can intuitive eating be used for weight loss or like, will you lose weight if you're an intuitive eater? I want to first say that, first of all, if you have like 
temptations to diet and like you have desires to lose weight, even if you're like in the midst, like if you're further on the, along the lines of intuitive eating and you still have those desires, it's totally fine. It's understandable. You're not wrong for wanting to lose weight. It's just like the culture we live in where of course you want to lose weight. Like being it's in a larger body is like shame. <laughs> so of course you want the alternative. So uh, I want to say that first and foremost, I should have led with that. Like if you still feel that way, and even if you keep feeling that way, as you are learning more about intuitive eating and like working through the principles and all of that, that's honestly to be expected. Like I, I'm honestly shocked when people say they don't have that desire anymore. <laughs> like we, yeah, because we're just so immersed in it. Like it makes total sense that you would want that to be the result. Yes. Yeah. And I guess why I get the question so much is because of course it's what everyone wants. It's when it comes to nutrition, that's probably the number one thing people think of is oh, yeah. how can I lose weight? What's my weight going to do with this? I don't want to call into eating a diet, of course, but with this approach, what's going to happen to my weight, yeah. which let's answer just that. <laughs> so yes. I think it's important to note, speaking of like the definition of intuitive eating, it's not a diet. Like Emily said, there is nothing to do with dieting. And that also means that it's a weight neutral approach, which means that intuitive eaters need to remove the number on the scale from like their main focus and allow it to be, I always say like the side effect or the outcome, um, rather than like the main goal we're focusing on. So like your weight, you might lose weight. We'll get to this later, but you might lose weight, but if your main focus is weight loss, that's going to make it really, really tough to, uh, get in tune with hunger and fullness and make peace with food and respect your body and all the other principles that are going to be what like actually makes you an intuitive eater, so to speak. Yeah. There's a lot more factors going on, but it's going to be really tough at first because that's what we're kind of taught to focus on all the time. Yeah. And one of the largest issues, like with trying to use intuitive eating as a weight loss approach is like, it takes away those cues that Hannah was talking about. And the weight is one of those external factors that we defined kind of earlier that is the biggest difference from intuitive eating. Whereas like, maybe you like you focus on like the calorie counting and portion sizes and you're like, Oh, my health is not great because I weigh X amount. Um, I'm not going to eat breakfast today because of that intuitive eating will focus on those internal cues and it's a lot easier said than done. It's going to take a lot of time, but one of the biggest things is just kind of removing the two and understanding that like your weight is not, do we have a weight episode? No, we have, I think it's next week or the week after we're doing obesity as a disease. Okay. So perfect. So stay stay tuned tuned then. Yeah. I think Amanda, we also talked about weight a little bit oh, yeah. when she came on. So we'll link her episode as well. I think it was called like, is weight the problem? the problem? Yeah. That was the episode. So we'll link that as well. But the biggest thing is just kind of separating the two. So then let's kind of talk about how actually like weighing yourself might make it a little bit more harder or more difficult to eat intuitively when we're looking at this number on this scale potentially every day. And I, I kind of gave this example before, if like, say your number is higher than usual, and then you're going to ignore, you're like, oh my gosh, I weigh a little bit more. I need to eat less today. I'm going to skip 
my, I'm going to ignore my hunger cues. And maybe you're not thinking about it that exact way. You're kind of going about your day and like in the morning, you have a really bad headache or you have a really hard time focusing. You're like, I'm just going to drink some coffee and push through when maybe like a banana and toast and like a hard boiled egg might make you focus and do a little bit better at whatever you're doing in the morning. Or on kind of the opposite side of that, maybe like you see the number go up a little bit and then you're like, oh my gosh, I nothing I'm doing is worth it. N- nothing matters. And then you go bingy and then you're pushing past those fullness cues where like you start to kind of feel your stomach feels a little bit fuller. You start to feel a little bit more tired and you just kind of push past that and you continue to eat in that sense. Yeah. So that's kind of an example is like, the weight's a little bit higher. Maybe we go the starvation or like binge route. Right. And then we have the other end too, where if the scale is lower, it's, it's going down. You might feel like this is a great thing. You want to celebrate. And so you've earned it and you're going to eat past fullness because it's a cheat day. You've earned it. You deserve it. All those internal monologues you might be having, Or it could be the opposite. You keep ignoring your hunger and doing this diet because you want that number keep going down. And you feel like if you eat when you're hungry, then you're just going to gain weight and you should be ignoring your hunger because the diet says you should only eat, I don't know, from 5 to 8 p.m. if you're doing intermittent fasting, for example. So basically with either of these scenarios, if the scale is up or down and we're using that to determine when and what we should eat, we are tearing down any trust that we have with our internal wisdom telling us when we should eat. So that kind of just all illustrates how using the scale as a determinant of your food choices likely won't be sustainable long-term. I say that all the time, like the scale can't be what tells you what to eat. Neither should like my fitness pal, or I don't know, what's another diet tool. I don't know. Things like that. Maybe like smart watches a smart yeah it's a good one like how many calories you've burned you want to counteract that like those are all external things like emily said external sources that we're using and they likely won't match up with your internal cues and that can lead to just a whole lot of confusion yeah they don't know what your physical activity levels are like maybe the watch does a little bit but we are we've already talked about the watch when did we talk about that? We definitely had a, a fitness tracker episode. We'll, we'll link that as well. Um, but those aren't that accurate. It doesn't know kind of like what you have going on. Maybe you're like really kind of more staying at home that day. Maybe you're on the run and you have to go between places. These different factors don't take that into account. So like they're going to give you kind of one number, like the weight's not, the weight is not trying to tell you anything besides. Yeah what your mass is that day right it's not trying to persuade you to do anything but like the calorie amounts and like the watch um those might have a little bit more influence there definitely the calorie counting exactly how do you feel great on vacation like really good easy you go to aruba You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great, you'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. 
That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. If we shouldn't be focusing on weight, you're like, yeah, okay, I get it, whatever we'll stop weighing ourselves. Great. (laughs) You might still be wondering like, what's going to happen to my weight when I start incorporating this intuitive eating framework, there's basically three scenarios or kind of a combination of any of them really, but we could have weight gain, weight loss, or weight maintenance. We're going to kind of describe how and when each of these might happen. Um, we did recently repost the throwback episode on set point weight theory. So go give that a listen or listen to the OG episode way back when it's the same thing either way. Um, but that could help describe kind of how our bodies tend to navigate or uh, what's the word migrate to the set point weight, um, whether it's above or below wherever it's, it's at from dieting. We'll kind of, we'll use that phrase set point weight as we're describing these scenarios. So if you're like, what is that? (laughs) Go listen to that episode. Yes. So let's talk about the first potential outcome which is weight gain, which people always, uh, the thought of weight gain can be really scary. Feeling that out of control, that's kind of what a lot of people are trying to avoid. And some people might gain weight if they try to, if they start to incorporate these, this intuitive eating framework. And this doesn't mean you're doing something wrong or that you're getting less healthy and that you should quit and stop listening to your body and trying to sh- and listen to your internal cues, and you might just jump back to calorie counting when you see this. If you gain weight, it's likely because your body needed to. There's a really great example. I think we've talked about this before, where like, say someone is drowning. We don't love that. And they're like, they're the only thing on their mind is getting air. Like nothing else matters. Like your body is like, oh my gosh, I need oxygen. If your body is severely depleted of calories, it's in that stress state, like your body's drowning. Very different mechanisms, but the example (laughs) is there. And when you start to give it that, those calories, like, the oxygen in the drowning situation, it starts to like meet homeostasis and level out and calm down. So oftentimes when people are like, have a long history of dieting or they're severely just depleting or like limiting calories and you start to eat a little bit more, 
it's very natural for your body to gain some weight and that's okay. Yeah. It was meant to do that. It's your body isn't trying to punish you. You very well could be, and that could be your set point weight. Like you're constantly going against your body and then you start eating a little bit more or maybe eating a little bit more frequently. And then your weight went up as very normal and okay. Yeah. I always add to that example too, that like, say you are like drowning or to put a more positive spin on, you're just like swimming a long distance. Like you're a competitive swimmer. <laughs> you're going from one to the pool to the other. If you haven't like gotten a good breath in a while, you probably will like be gasping for air once you finally get access to oxygen again. And it's kind of like this. People always say like when they're working on making peace with food, they end up overeating a little bit. And mm-hmm. I don't love the term overeating because it defines or makes it seem like there's just a certain amount that we should be eating, but eating past wellness, we'll say. Um, because you finally have access to calories and food again. So of course your body's natural instinct is to like, again, like over consume and air quotes, those foods, because you finally are able to eat them. Just like you'd be gasping for air if you haven't breathed in a while. So with this, I don't want to say that you're going to gain weight and then you're going to lose it again to kind of give that false hope of still having some kind of weight loss, but some people do end up eating past fullness or overeating a little for a little while after they ditch the diets and all of that. And then they might go back down a little bit. If there's a point weight was still lower than that because they were just not used to eating those foods. And so they overate them for a little while. So honestly, with these three outcomes, we could have just one of them or we could have kind of a combination of them. It just totally depends. But I like to always that add that in there that just like you would gasp for air, you likely are going to be not likely. Some people do overeat for a while when they finally allow themselves to do so. So that's weight gain, which is highly likely. Not everyone experiences it. Many do, especially the people who were likely under eating with their previous habits Versus like, we'll get to the weight loss one in a second, but people who lose weight are often the ones who were in some capacity eating more than their calories needs. So it just makes sense. Like if you were eating less than your body's needs and you were below your set point weight, you likely are going to gain weight in some capacity, but I want to go over weight maintenance first. Some people don't experience weight changes once they become an intuitive eater or it's very minimal. We discuss in the set point weight theory episode that it's normal to have like 10, 15 pound fluctuations, like even like day to day for some people. So you might even just like gain or lose around that amount versus like a more drastic amount, we'll say. Um, but some people don't really experience any weight changes at all. And this is just because they likely in whatever way were eating what their body needed and they were at their set point weight previously. But I want to point out that even if your weight didn't change, there were likely so many mental shifts and improvements that were happening. <clears throat> Gosh, my voice is like turning into like a rocking chair, <laughs> like a squeaky one. Um, even though weight didn't change, we know that weight does not equal health. You likely were still experiencing many mental shifts and an improved relationship with food when going from that diety mindset, hating your body, fearing food to embracing intuitive eating. There's a lot else going on besides the weight. I know this is the topic of today's episode, but it's important to remember it's more than just that. Yeah. 
So then the last outcome that could occur is weight loss with intuitive eating. And like Hannah mentioned, this is very much likely or more likely to happen if someone was overeating or not overeating, eating more than their body's needs. And this is, I think, a little bit more, some common examples might be like binge eating or emotional eating or just eating in any way that you're just kind of eating past those fullness cues. And at the time, it probably doesn't feel like you're eating past your fullness cues. It just, it might be a coping mechanism. It might be. I mean, you may not even have fullness cues at this point. Yeah. You may not even know what those feel like for you. Yeah. So you're just kind of eating a little bit more. So then, and let's say that like someone does lose weight while incorporating intuitive eating, that doesn't mean that it was the goal. Like Hannah said, weight is more of a side effect or how it might change. And this might be just kind of part of your intuitive eating journey to understand kind of where are my fullness cues? What does a hunger cue even feel like? Um, and this isn't to say that intuitive eating will tell you like how much you need to eat every single day. Cause that just kind of brings us back to that diet culture mindset of you are a robot and you need this many calories every single day. It'll just kind of help you gauge what a hunger and fullness cue feel like, which a lot of people don't experience. So it could potentially happen. And sometimes like maybe you stop eating as much because you're trying to gauge these cues, but then sometimes maybe you'll go back to your old behaviors because that's what was comfortable to you. Like maybe a stressful event comes up or something at work happens and then you end up eating a little bit more. And yeah. then it might, your weight might fluctuate. So basically if anyone ever, like if you see a YouTube thumbnail, I see this all the time that says, here's how I use intuitive eating to lose 30 pounds, like run far away. No one should ever be Very using far. intuitive eating to sell weight loss. Because like we said, it's a weight neutral approach and you might lose weight with it, but if you're using it to sell weight loss, it's still a diet. Yes. It's they're, they're adding some type of diet rules into that. There's no way. And it's like, it's promising that you're going to lose weight too. If you eat like them, which of course is not the case. Like, even if they are eating intuitive, like eating intuitively, however that is for them and they lost weight, that doesn't mean that if you too eat intuitively, likely by their definition, which may not be your definition that you're going to lose weight too. So basically if you see weight loss promise from intuitive eating just run far away from that because it yes it may happen but it also likely could not yeah boo scary stuff scary stuff on the internet it just stinks because (laughs) we finally get something that like is what we're supposed I don't want to say supposed but what we are born to do like we're born intuitive eaters and then of course diet culture just takes it and like rips it and shifts it and all that it's kind of like when people in a small body like mine are trying to like take over the fat liberation kind of thing. Like it's just not the right people talking about it. Like it's great. Like I I do talk about these things as I try to, but I should not be like the main voice you're listening to when it comes to fat liberation and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's actually another good segue. Look at us. We're just so <laughs> just natural podcasters at this point. 
I don't want to go too much into this, although I have like four huge paragraphs on it written on our outline. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, <laughs> you might at this point be asking, I get this all the time. Like I've described our whole spiel of what we just said. And they're like, well, I need to lose weight for health reasons though. So if you're saying that, if you've heard all of our thoughts so far and you're like, I got to lose it for health reasons, is intuitive eating a good fit for me? If that's the case, I want to go over, we want to go over a few things there, but like we said, we're going to go over this. I think a lot more in detail next week, um, talking about obesity as a disease, if it even is one TBD on that. Um, but to briefly, we'll say, hopefully answer this question of like, what if I have to lose weight for health reasons? We've already kind of answered it, I guess. Contrary to popular belief, weight is not a good indicator of health. I know that's, if you haven't heard this before, like you might be shell-shocked right now, but weight is not a good indicator of health. There is no evidence that shows that being at a higher weight causes conditions like heart disease, diabetes, or cancer, which again, like that might be blowing your mind and you might be like very skeptical and trying to like leave this episode because we're quacks <laughs> because you've likely heard so many times that like diabetes is caused by being at a higher weight. Heart disease is caused by being at a higher weight, but the word cause is kind of the key word there. There's nothing that shows that a equals B or a causes B like weight causes diabetes. There could be a correlation between a higher weight and these health health conditions. But as anyone who understands research knows, there is a difference between correlation and causation. They're not the same thing. No. And there are a lot of other factors that go into this. Genetics is always the one we hit. Weight stigma is very prevalent. Um, chronic dieting, environmental, social factors, access to food, access to healthcare, safe places to exercise. It's not just weight. And whenever people talk about like, oh, you're going to make us all have diabetes <laughs> or you're trying to give us all heart disease. When like someone says like, it's okay to gain weight or your weight is not the, like your soul mean, like it's not your defining factor. There are a lot of factors going on that a lot of articles, whenever they talk about this, fail to incorporate. So I, I don't know how much I want to go into this because I know we're going to talk about it next week. Yeah. But I feel like the overall message is weight is not a good indicator of health. And we could leave it at that. And then you might have to stick back around. I think we should. <laughs> I think we should. We've got a lot more thoughts, like literally our outline. We always have for our episode. We take little notes and I took a lot of notes on this. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. We'll talk more about like weight stigma and how maybe that is the bigger issue versus like obesity epidemic, obesity disease. We'll explain all those things next week. So Tune in then. The biggest thing here we want to say, if you do have the question of, I know that intuitive eating shouldn't be used for weight loss. I heard all that that you said, but like, I need to lose weight for health reasons. That's not a thing. Like you can be very healthy without losing weight. And also you don't owe anybody health. Like um, you don't No, It's okay if you're not healthy, like that's fine. Like, yeah, I say this all the time too. Like your body is not this 
project you have to like constantly be working on. And a lot of things are out of your control too. Like if you have an autoimmune disease, like sure, there's certain things you could maybe possibly do to help with that. But a lot of times these things are largely out of your control and you don't, you're not a better or worse person if you are more or less healthy, so to speak. Air quotes there if you're listening and not watching. Yes. Okay. I have a yeah. lot more to say, but I guess I'll, I'll bite my tongue for a week. Yes. We'll save it for next week. Yeah. So that they'll have to come back. <laughs> so kind of this is talking about that a little bit more. And I don't know if well, we, we save this too. I feel like we might save this as well. Kind okay. of like letting go of the desire for weight loss. Yeah. So I wanted to like end this with like some takeaways, like yes. Like okay, I know that I shouldn't be worried about losing weight. I can't focus on that with intuitive eating, but like, how do I stop worrying about it? I had some Let's, tips on our outline, but we'll save it for next week too, actually. We could, we could ask questions. Okay. I'm thinking. I have like that. Think. Yeah. Okay. Let's do and it. And then they can come back. So couple quite, we're not going to give you the tips yet. You're going to have to come back, <laughs> but here are some self-reflection questions to ask yourself. If you have this desire for weight loss, if you feel like you need to lose weight for health reasons or for aesthetic reasons or or whatever it is. First question is, what are your beliefs about weight and body size? Obviously, we've told you ours. We want to, we want you to actually think about the like what where am I at? What do I actually think about these two? And where did you learn these beliefs? Were they from the TV show? Were they from parents you've observed, family members? Were they from friends around you? Where did this come from? Next question to ask yourself is, has pursuing weight loss ever worked for you long-term? And long-term, we're going to make past like one to two years, not like six months. We're going to, a couple years. How has that been working? Next question to ask yourself is how has pursuing weight loss made you feel? I feel like this is a very good question. <laughs> and think about that. Like write them down, write down all of your feelings. If that helps you. It's a great little journaling someone. Yes, exactly that. How has it made you feel throughout kind of wherever you're at in your weight loss, your weight loss journey? Is there anything else you had to compromise to reach your quote unquote goal weight? And this could be like, this could be like time with family, food. And this is like, maybe like going out for a celebration or going out to dinner with someone. Time, sleep, stuff like that. And then what emotional and physical harm did you experience while dieting? We're going to include emotional because physical. I feel like people might talk a little bit. People are talking about it a little bit more, so you might be a little bit more aware of those. But emotional harm, you need to dive into that. Next question to ask yourself is, what did you miss out on while dieting and pursuing weight loss? This kind of can go back to the compromise question, but missing out could be more than just like the dinners and celebrations. It could be your mental health, maybe like happiness, stuff like that. Plenty of sleep. I feel like that's something as well that might get sacrificed. And then ask yourself, who has 
who is benefiting from making you feel like your body does not deserve love unless it's smaller? And then who profits from telling you that you need to change? (laughs) Diet culture. (laughs) So take some time. Yes. Take some time. Think about all of these. You don't have to answer them all at once because it might be a little bit overwhelming, but luckily you have a week between our episodes. (laughs) So you've got some time to maybe do one a day. I mean, there's probably more than, I think there's more than seven here. Maybe do like one and a half a day, two a day. And then, and maybe if even that's overwhelming, you don't have to do all these before. No, everyone's journey is different. Yes. Do one. That'll be your goal. Yeah. Just pick one of those. And like we said, if you still have like these weight loss and dieting thoughts, like lingering, you can still start to work on intuitive eating, relationship with food, all of that. And these thoughts will likely keep popping up. Like even like 15 years down the road, when you're like how you would define yourself to be a full-blown intuitive eater, like you will still have friends and family and ads online and whatever kind of making you think that you'd be better off trying to lose weight. Um, so it shouldn't stop you from jumping into this, or I guess maybe more so slowly tiptoeing into it. If jumping feels a little too scary, um, So anyway, it's okay if you still have those thoughts lingering, that shouldn't be what keeps you from starting to work on these things. Yeah. It's exciting stuff. Scary yet exciting. We're excited for you. Excited for you. So we'll go into the tips next week. We talk more about obesity. Yes. Cause I feel like we can talk, we can talk so much about that. So we'll talk about it next week. Because we should not get started unless then I'm not going to work. Yeah, it'll be <laughs> and, a whole thing. So tune in next week, but think about these questions, kind of think about everything we've talked about today. And maybe you, hopefully you learn something new because I feel like, oh, if there's one thing you've learned from this, <laughs> I want to go back to what Hannah said. If someone says they used intuitive eating to lose weight and they're going to help you do that, Run far away. Like, That's my take home message. It's like the this. biggest red flag, like with intuitive eating. It's literally just diet culture hacking a non the non diet approach, the yeah. non diet world. Yeah. Boo. Boo. Which, Shame on them. Like I feel like that used to be us. Like two years ago, that was us. Yeah. We didn't quite understand intuitive eating haze, which is why we say don't go back and listen to old episodes. <laughs> we're gonna I'm begging we're, you. We're gonna revisit it. If it wasn't bad for like our sequential numbering, we would delete those terrible yeah. episodes. I don't want to say terrible. We were just um, learning. It's, we were in a learning phase. Which you are too. Yeah. So maybe so, if you're like, maybe if you, <laughs> you want to hear more from them who might be more have a similar mindset to you. Oh my gosh. Yeah, maybe we were more relatable back then than we are now. Yeah. I hope not. I hope not either. I guess you pick, but just know that- (laughs) You have the options of which version you want. It was different. (laughs) Yeah. So we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. We cannot wait to chat with you next week. We've already spoiled it, but we're going to talk about (laughs) the whole discussion of obesity being a disease- and where that comes from. 
and weight stigma. It's going to be wild. So definitely come tune in. But we appreciate you guys listening and we will see you next week. Yes. And if you're tuning in for the first time in this season and you're like, where's the bonus question? Sorry. (laughs) Go join our, we need to find a name for it still. Please let us know what we should name this because subscription bonus question membership group bonus question place. It's not rolling off the tongue very easily, No, but we have a little place for all bonus questions. Now, if you want to just tune in for the, the more silly stuff relating to the upbeat dietitians podcast. Yes. Okay. We'll see you there. Hopefully. Otherwise we'll definitely see you next week talking all about the obesity epidemic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Bye guys. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in on this episode of the Upbeat Dietitians with your host, Emily Krause and Hannah Thompson. We appreciate you all so much for continuing to support us. In order to support us and sustain the success of this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. If you'd like to provide us feedback for future episodes and guest stars, follow us on Instagram at the Upbeat Dietitians. Lastly, you can show us support by providing a monthly donation using the link at the end of our bio. Once again, thank you so much for listening today and stay tuned next Wednesday for a new episode. Until then, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.